Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Be Still and Run. I am your host, Ali Ann, and today we have one of my best friends to interview today, and it is on the subject of rest. And when I originally asked her or asked some friends to write for me, I was expecting, you know, more of like physical rest or, you know, just what God has taught them in maybe more of like a soul type of rest. But I really appreciated how Rachel was, uh, took it more to a spiritual level beyond even physical, mental or emotional rest. I really appreciated that. And so I asked her if she would allow me to interview her to go in deeper on this. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for uh, just coming on here and allowing me to interview you. Yeah, thank you, Allie. I'm very excited to be here. It's my first podcast ever that I've um, done. So it's a it's a blessing. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for saying yes. <laughs> uh, so, okay, you said in the beginning of your uh, blog post that you were recovering from a foot energy. So how is that go going? Thanks for asking. Um, actually, so it's been about seven weeks since my surgery to fix a broken toe that didn't heal. Um, and I have some equipment in my toe and it's coming out on Tuesday. So you could be praying for that, um, that the uh, the toe is hopefully now more fully healed and that I can finally wear two matching shoes again. I've been in a post-op shoe, <laughs> um, for, you know, seven weeks now. Um, and I have a bandage on my foot, so I'm very excited to see it fully healed. That's nice. I'm sure that'll be really, really nice. Cause I can't, I can't handle injuries very well. So <laughs> has, <laughs> has, have you learned anything new about rest since you have had to be physically resting more? Yes, for sure. Um, it's my first broken bone actually ever. And, and ironically, it's like a very tiny bo bone in my toe, but I've never broken anything before. Um, and so definitely never needed surgery for a broken toe. So I was surprised just number one, how much, um, how much pain I was in after surgery. And it just gave me, I think, more empathy and um, for people who have who break larger bones or who need more intense surgery for a broken bone, um, because I did not work for about three weeks um, and I had to have my foot up for most of those for most of two weeks, at least. Um, and then it was really hard to walk. So my mom took really good care of me um, and made sure that I was taking all the pain medicine that I needed to help me. Um, and then I still um, elevated after work since I work with children as my full-time job and I'm on my feet all day. So actually, as I'm recording this, um, I am elevating my foot um, above the heart so that it, um, so that the swelling goes down and, and healing progresses. So um, I will be looking forward to not having to do that, but it it's really forced me to take the time to just sit down and rest. 
one of the things I really try to emphasize when I am writing or recording is like, if you have an injury to take advantage of it to like seek God more, have you noticed that in your life a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it was actually an unexpected blessing that I was forced to take a few weeks off of work because I worked all summer, even though I'm a teacher, I worked summer camp and um, my family suffered a tragic loss of my um, stepfather unexpectedly in July. And I only had a few days off of work um, for the funeral. And it was such a whirlwind that I never, I never had a lot of time to grieve or really process that loss. So actually, um, during my surgery recovery, I was not only resting physically, but I was resting spiritually and mentally and emotionally um, because I needed time to actually process more of this loss and how it was affecting my mother and affecting our family. Um, and then just taking time to reconnect with God and have him speak to me. Um, and I did a lot of prayer and it just reminded me of the importance of taking time away from the world and from the busy life, whether it's forced or, or intentional where you say, I'm just voluntarily going to take a weekend or a week away from my full-time job or from my children or from whatever you do on a daily basis, because I need to spend time with the Lord or at least, you know, and, and rest my body as well. So that's why I really enjoyed writing that blog post about rest because God taught me that rest is not just physical. You also need all these other types of rest because God created us as very complex beings and we have a soul and a spirit as well as a physical body. Um, so resting incorporates all three of those. Mm -hmm. So can you explain a little bit about what you, what the difference is like between the physical and spiritual and emotional rest? Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, the physical rest, of course, for um, my recovery included making sure I was sleeping adequately and, and keeping a good sleep schedule. Um, and then also making sure that I was resting my foot since I was required to be off of my foot as much as possible. Um, and even now, like I said, when I have gone back to work, I intentionally have to rest my foot um, for, for the long-term health of my toe. Um, and I think it's the same with like um, spiritually, we are, we are most spiritually healthy when we take time away from the world and from all the other distractions to get alone with God and really listen to his voice and hear what he's trying to say. Um, because our spiritual health is really wrapped up in, in reading the word and prayer and in, you know, meditation upon God's word. Um, and on, you know, what we feel he's, he's telling us. And that happens best when we are in a quiet space and resting. Of course, he can speak to us anywhere and he can speak to us while we're working or while we're driving. 
But at least for me, I feel that I hear him best when I'm about ready, ready to go to bed and I'm lying quietly in bed or when I'm reading my Bible at the table. Um, so that is the spiritual side of rest that I feel all Christians need to be healthy spiritually. And then emotionally, I think is tied with spiritual health because, um, because yes, emotional health, um, you know, non-believers talk a lot about emotions and they talk about, you know, getting help and expressing their emotions and healing their emotions. But God is actually the creator of emotions and, you know, and, and God designed us with the capacity to feel happy, sad, angry, tired, frustrated, irritated, um, depressed, like all these things, um, whether or not they are, you know, um, you know, some emotions are the result of sin and the result, you know, like anger and hatred and things are, you know, a lot of sometimes emotions can, um, become sinful and, and cause us to have, um, sinful actions. But, but there's so many emotions that I believe God designed, um, for our good and to, you know, to make us more fully human, like, um, Jesus experienced so many emotions when he was on earth and he did not sin. So that just shows too, that the ability to feel is, is how God created us. Um, so for emotional health, I feel like that's connected with spiritual health because we need to go to God to, um, to, for, for him to heal our, our emotions and also help us process our emotions. I've had to do that a lot recently with the passing of my stepfather. And, um, and I had a few disappointments over the summer too, in terms of like romantic relationships and things that I thought God was um, telling me. And, and then it turns out that that, never came to fruition. Um, and I had to go to God with my disappointment and my sadness and my hurt. And, and I was angry at, you know, the other person and I had to, you know, express that to God. And, and I feel like we are, you know, um, healthiest emotionally when we can go to God with those things, because otherwise we are bottling it all up and it's just all inside of us and, and we need to release it. So I recommend that everybody journals and prays and goes for walks like prayer walks and just talking with God as you're walking is an amazing thing for your physical health and your emotional, spiritual health. So there's lots of um, activities that I feel um, we can do so that we can be resting spiritually and emotionally. And that might look different than, than just physical rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so Sabbath for me, I feel like would be different than other people. And I liked how you touched on that. So can you like, I don't know, explain more about what a new Testament Sabbath would be how you use it for your rest. Um, the reason I, I asked that then was because you talked about, you know, like spending time with God. And to me, that's what I do or what I consider Sabbath is even if I'm physically moving, 
I, it's still rest to me. So mm -hmm. would you be able to touch some on that? Um, well, I hope this answers your question, but, um, I feel like God designed the Sabbath, um, for us to, to get away from what we normally would be doing. Um, like for me, it would be my full-time job. Um, so on the Sabbath, we focus more on God and we focus more on, um, other believers and getting to um, encourage each other and to worship God at church or in a small group or in a private Bible study. Um, and, and that's, and, you know, it's also a, um, a rest as in, um, in, you know, in the new Testament too, like um, it, it's a rest from a lot of the daily duties as well. Like um, I try in my life too to make sure that I'm not like for the weekends, like for Saturday and Sunday, that I'm not just doing what we call adulting um, tasks, such as laundry and grocery shopping and cleaning, um, because those those are not fully like, yes, it will help you maybe mentally rest more because these things will be done. But I think God wants us on the Sabbath to um, focus more on how we can um, grow closer to God and in and heal ourselves and rest ourselves. And whether that means, like you said, moving around um, or connecting with God in that way, or for me, it means being more still on Sundays and um, focusing more on quiet. Um, because I am so busy at my, my regular job with 19 children that are constantly talking to me and, and there's constant activity going around. So for me, Sabbath is about stillness and about listening for God's voice. Um, but it looks different for everyone. However, um, however anyone wants to connect with God and how best they connect with God, I think is the purpose of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So more of like a heart, like God looks at the heart. Yes, for sure. Like um, one of my favorite passages, um, I mean, that I, I feel connected with is um, where, where God has said that, um, you know, he, they praise me with their lips, but their, their hearts are far from me. And I think so many people go to church and that's they and their hearts not in it like it it reminds me of the action of going to church doesn't save you and the action of of praying in public or you know like these things don't necessarily save you it's about the heart and the intention behind it and so, so many people will go to church and, and especially if it's a more traditional liturgy, like in a Catholic church, they'll just go and they'll say the prayers because all the prayers are memorized. And then you go and receive communion and it's like, you just know the rhythm. Um, and then you go home and then you do whatever you need to do to get ready for the week. Um, but it's, God has taught me that um, true worship and true resting spiritually means um, connecting with God and giving your heart and soul and mind to him um, so that he can 
teach you things and you can grow closer with him. And that could look different for different people on the Sabbath, but there, it's so much more than just going to church. So that goes into one of the questions I really wanted to ask you. And you had mentioned on the blog post about good works and how that goes against the true Christian rest. Can you share more about that? I really enjoyed reading that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, a background piece for my for the listeners um, is that I was raised Catholic and um, there is a a major stereotype amongst Protestants that they label a lot of Protestants will label all Catholics as people who are using their good works to go to heaven. And I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that, but not all Catholics believe that. And, and so, but it, it did teach me as I've gone to talk with different people who are Catholic or Protestant or, you know, of different denominations. Um, and I've heard their perspective on this. It's really true. I've just heard it so often that, that people, whether they, they verbally say like, yes, like they may not admit that they believe their good works are what Hat, you know, um, opens the door to heaven, but their lives are kind of living that out because they go to the, they go to church, they get baptized. And, and for some people they were baptized as a baby and then they weren't baptized as an adult. And they think, you know, well, that's good. I was baptized as a baby that I checked that box. Um, and then I received communion. I do that every week or every month. I check that box. Um, and I give to the poor. Um, I am nice to people. I, and then so many people say I've never killed. I've never stolen. Um, I, I've never committed adultery or fornication. You know, I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, so basically they are admitting that they do see their good works as the ticket to heaven. But um, so then I so I just feel like this burden for so many people like like, no, that's not why Jesus came. Like, that's not why Jesus died on the cross, because um, if our good works could get us into heaven, then I think Moses and Joshua and the people in the Old Testament would have been like, yes, well, if you follow all of these commandments, you're good. So just do it, <laughs> just do it. And then you'll be saved. But Jesus came because he recognized God, you know, that God knows that we cannot get into heaven, no matter how hard we try, because we will never be good enough for heaven. If you mess up once you're, you're, that's it, you're done. And mm -hmm. all of us has met, have messed up at least once. <laughs> oh, um, no. What? <laughs> I hate to say it, but you know, oh, that goes my reputation. <laughs> exactly. You know, I work with little children and I do have to say that sin, the sin nature is in all of us from birth. We are naturally selfish and we are naturally, um, you know, we, we see the world as, as like, well, what can the world give me? And, um, and it's hard to share like you, you have to teach children how to share. If if we were born good 
and and born with the inclination to do good, we would not have to teach children how to share and we would not have to teach them how to hurt others. Children naturally hurt others. It's just, it's, it's part of um, our fallen nature. But, um, but anyway, to go back to what I was saying with good works, like, um, so then, you know, true spiritual rest has to do with knowing that you are saved because you've put your full faith in Jesus Christ and on his work on the cross and his blood is on you. And so you are saved and you're sanctified and you're righteous and God sees you as perfect because of the blood of Jesus. And once you fully recognize that, like when I became saved around like 2011, um, when I fully recognized and when God actually told me, he's like, yeah, previously you would have gone to hell because you weren't fully trusting in my blood alone to get you to heaven. You're trusting in all of these good works to get you to heaven. And the fact that you were baptized as a baby and all of these things. Um, and it was, but so it's given me such an amazing piece that like, yes, I should be doing good things for others and going to church and reading my Bible, but I'm doing these things because I love God and I want to please him, not because I'm still trying to earn my way to heaven. And that gives me more peace and hope and joy than anything, because I know that if I die tomorrow, um, I would be going to heaven. And I could have sinned maybe like 10 minutes before I died. And I still would be going to heaven, not because it wasn't my actions that opened the door. It was Jesus's blood. So that is a huge proponent of spiritual rest that some people never achieve because they always think they need to do more and more and more to get salvation. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like, if what like if someone doubts their salvation, do you feel like that could really hinder not just your spiritual and emotional rest, but also your physical? Oh, for sure. Hands down. That's a great that's a great thing topic to bring up because the, there's so many believers and non-believers who doubt their salvation because they are they're either too anxious over the, you know, the steps, quote unquote, um, to get into heaven, or they think, oh, I prayed a prayer of salvation when I was seven, but I was so young. I don't quite know if that suffices and if I truly believed it. And then they think that they might be a fraud and they're, they're not a true Christian and they're deceiving people. Um, like secular doctors have even said, like oh, most doctors know that um, mental distress can cause physical illness. And um, there's a lot of people who will get chronic illnesses because of long-term stress. Long-term stress can create inflammation in the body um, and it creates more cortisol, which is the hormone um, that we, the body naturally creates when we're under stress. Um, and, and we, it's like the fight or flight um, that kicks in. 
And long-term stress does great damage to the physical body. So if you are frequently anxious about your salvation and about your standing with God, then that can affect your physical health. And so God connected all of these pieces of our, of our human body so that usually if one piece of the puzzle is off, like your physical rest or your emotional rest, then other pieces of, of the puzzle are going to be affected as well. Mm-hmm. I know for a really long time, I doubted my salvation. Like I'd say almost my entire Christian life. Mm. And there was one night I was literally in tears and I stayed up until, I don't know, sometime around midnight maybe. And I was just in the word really diving into like trying to figure out, okay, what does salvation really mean? And I feel like the, one of the things that really uh, like confused me was that I found out what sort of what the definition of Lord was. And I realized that I couldn't call God my Lord because I wasn't doing what he asked me to do. And Mm. like, I was constantly, you know, doing things that I knew was not right. And that really distressed me for a really long time. And I remember (laughs) uh, I had gotten peace about it. And then I was baptized, like, I don't know, maybe even the next day. And then, I don't know, maybe a few years later, I was doubting it again. And I had a major spiritual attack to where I was, um, I honestly was convinced I was not saved. <laughs> mm. and I actually went out and hid behind our silo and was just like confessing my sin to God. And, you know, just like, it felt like I was rededicating my life completely to him in a, and later on I realized that I probably, I was probably saved before that. And it was just that spiritual attack. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that that had me in such like distress and, I know I'm not the only one who has dealt with that. And so, yeah, I totally see how the, they can combine in just the different kinds of rest. Exactly. And that, thank you for your honesty too, because I think a lot of Christians struggle to admit that because it can make us feel like a fake Christian or a weak Christian. If we, really admit that we don't know if we're truly saved. But unfortunately, this is one of Satan's oldest tricks in the book because he wants us to disconnect from God and to draw away from God in whatever way possible. And he places these doubts in our minds um, about whether or not God truly loves us, if God truly cares for us. and also, if God truly has saved us, like Satan wants us to doubt our salvation because it's going to disrupt our relationship with God. Um, and also, I think Satan wants 
wants humans, people to believe that it's really hard to get saved. You know, like mm -hmm. you have to go through all these steps and you have to, you know, like do all these good works because if people really recognize that, hey, the, the work's already been done. All you have to do is accept it and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it's not complicated. You you don't have to say even the right words. Like it's not about the words. It's not about the perfect sinner's prayer, you know? Um, it's about your heart, like you were saying, and and about your heart attitude and really recognizing like I am a sinful person and I cannot get to heaven on my own. And only the blood of Jesus can do that for me. And I accept Jesus as the Lord of my life and my savior because no one else can be a savior for me. And and once you recognize that and then truly live that out, you know, the rest is history. And And then yes, you keep growing as a Christian and you keep the Holy Spirit keeps maturing you and convicting you but you're you're going to be safe like you are going to heaven and um and it's just an amazing thing and it gives you such peace that satan doesn't want it for us to have that peace because it's a threat to him and to his works of darkness Hey y'all, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of Be Still and Run. This is actually part one of this interview because I just was really loving what Rachel was saying and I asked her if we could continue going on and then I could divide it up into two episodes. And so if you want to continue listening, stay tuned for next week. And if you want her blog post, version of this you can look down below what we kind of fed off of and i will see you guys next time